Welcome to Thrive Church Podcast. We just want you to know that wherever you are in your faith journey, you are welcomed, you are loved, and you are accepted. I hope that as you listen to our podcast, you are moved and inspired to grow closer in your faith with God. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, Thrive Church. I want to welcome all of those who are watching online in the 715 area code. My name is Pastor Sheldon Miles, and we are so glad that you are here worshiping with us. And it's just kind of nice to just be able to kind of greet each other this morning. Everybody was saw people giving fist bumps and, and some kind of elbow bumps and just high-fiving. So it's good to see that happening. It's kind of good to see the church maybe coming back to a little bit of normalcy. Can we just give a shout-out to God for a little bit of more normalcy here in 2021 as we move forward? And, uh, and so I just, again, I want to greet all of you. Some, some of you folks have been attending this church for a long time, and some of you are just now beginning to come back. And so we're just, welcome home, I guess. That's all I have to say is welcome home. And, and for those who are in the 715 and you've been a part of this church for a long time, we miss you, and we, we hope to see you here real soon. And I, I want all of you to know, maybe you're new here, uh, we have a Thrive Church Kids Ministry, and that happens in our second service at 1030. So either you or you have friends or loved ones who have some kiddos and they want to check out Thrive Church, be sure to let them know we have an awesome kids ministry led by Felicia Brzezinski over here. Give her a shout out this morning. She does an awesome job. And I want to encourage you, if you're watching online and you have some questions about Thrive Church, you can go to our website at thrive715.com, and we hope to answer all of the questions for you. So uh, the church has been going through kind of a transitional season here, and we have been working on some things, uh, and we've talked about this in our last business meeting a few weeks ago. So we are in the midst of a bylaw transition. It's not like a really big deal, but there are some things that are in our church bylaws that we need church approval to, to have here. So next Sunday, you'll just keep, the, t- keep note of this, we're going to give you access to those bylaw changes, and we're going to give you one week to kind of look through those. And then the, the following week on Sunday, March 14th at 5 p.m., uh, if you would like to attend a, what I call a town hall meeting, and any questions that you would have just about those bylaws, we're not going to talk about other things talk about the bylaw changes, uh, you can come to that meeting. And then the following Sunday, on Sunday, March 21st, after the second service, uh, there's just going to be a quick business meeting and, and just a vote to whether to approve or not approve of those bylaws. Did you catch all that? So I just want to make sure you have plenty of time here to prepare for that. So we are in the midst of a sermon series called Love the Verb. And if you just pull out your sermon notes, I want to encourage you to follow along in your sermon notes. You get so much more out of the the message when you follow along in those notes. And so as I was preparing for this week's message, I just couldn't help it. Have you ever had one of those times where you you had a song that just kept going through your mind and you couldn't get rid of that song? Have you ever had, how many of you have had one of those moments before? So I'm preparing for this sermon and this song kept running through my mind and it is one of those oldies but goodies from the 80s. And fortunately, we were able to snag from YouTube a YouTube video of this. This is the original. Maybe you'll remember this song. Guys, go ahead and play this song. I actually saw some of you roll up 
a piece of uh, your, your bulletin notes, and I saw some of you when it came to that line, I want to know what love is. I saw you do it. I saw you do it. How many of you remember that song from the 80s? How many of you were roller skaters back in the 80s, and you did the couple skate? And you were so cool because you could, like, backwards skate, and, and you're just like, and, and back in the day, back in the day, I, I grew up in the 80s, and, and I thought that's what love was. <laughs> And I'll tell you, I, I believe that just as they were asking the question back then, I think that we are still asking the same question today, what is love, right? I think a lot of people are asking, and they're trying to find the answer to what is love, and they're trying to find it here, and they're trying to find it there, and they're just, their hearts are just broken. We talked about that last week about a broken heart because they're not finding what they're looking for. They, they're not finding what God had created for in their lives. And, I, and I, I want you to know I'm not talking about love the noun. This sermon series is called Love the Verb because that's what love is. Love is not something that you get. God's love is something that you give. Something that God has given to us. We know we talked about this in John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son for you so that you could have everlasting life. And so then he says he gives that model to us, for us to love one another, to, to live out love the verb. So that's what we're talking about today. And we're talking about God's love. And we said that, that God's love is different than the other kinds of loves mentioned in the New Testament. It's different than a family kind of love. It's different than a romantic kind of love. We're talking about agape kind of love. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about agape kind of love. Go ahead and, and, and say that. Tell your neighbor, agape kind of love. Agape is the Greek word for this kind of love that God is talking about. And we've talked about it for the couple weeks. This kind of love, the characteristics of it, it is it's selfless, it's sacrificial, and it's servant-hearted. One more time, God's love is selfless. It is sacrificial, and it is servant-hearted. This is the kind of love that God has given to us. And he's given for us to live out. So do you know this, that the, the word love, in the NIV version, the word love is mentioned over 230 times. So when you see that, it's been mentioned that many times, it must be an important topic to God if it's mentioned that often. So what we're going to do this morning, and to get a better understanding of what love the verb is, we're going to kind of examine some questions, some what questions. We're going to look at some what questions this morning, and then we're going to look at some scriptures that maybe answer those what questions, okay? So are you guys ready to get into the classroom today? The first question is, what does God want me to do? If you ever find yourself asking that question, what, what does God want from me? What does he want me to do with my life? And so in, in John, John 13, 34 and 35, it's kind of interesting because Jesus is kind of coming to the end of his ministry, and he's, he's spending some time with his disciples, and he's just had the Passover supper, and he has just washed his disciples' feet. And we know that, that the time is coming near, all right, for, for, for his crucifixion, for him to be taken and to be crucified. We know that that is coming up real soon here for him to go to the Garden of Gethsemane. But here's some, some words where he gives purpose to his disciples. And by the way, I want all of us to know, whenever we look at the Word of God and we see that Jesus spoke to his disciples, 
we know that He still speaks today. He still speaks to His disciples. Can I just, if you are a disciple of Jesus, could you just raise your hand? There should only be like 12 of you, right? <laughs> if you are a disciple of Jesus. Okay, so, so we know that He's talking to us. And Jesus says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment, not a new suggestion, not a new recommendation, a new commandment. Love each other. Isn't that interesting that God would have to tell us to make up a commandment to love each other? What's the problem there? He says, just as I have loved you, just as I've demonstrated that to you, and just as I'm about to demonstrate that to you through the cross, you should love each other. So what does God want us to do? The answer to that question, what does God want you to do? God wants you to live love. You have been created by God to live love. God has poured His love out on your life so that you could live love. Now, look at this, this very next important verse, verse 35. He says, now, your love, your reflection of love for one another, it will prove to the world that you are my disciples. In other words, it's, it's really going to show to the world whether your your, your, your faith, your faith in God is really authentic or not. People will know by your love. How many of you have heard of that old song? They will know we are Christians by our love. By our... How many of you would just really like me to stop singing in church? <laughs> they will know we are Christians. Thank you. Yes, sir. They, they will know we are Christians. They will know that our faith is real. They will know that our faith is legit by how we love others. Isn't that interesting that Jesus would point that out? How you live out God's love is the real barometer of your faith. How you live out God's love is the real barometer, the real measurement of your faith. Church, our love or our lack of love is what we are known for. Did you know that? That the people who drive by Thrive Church every single day, they know that we really are a church that welcomes and accepts and loves people just as they are. They know if that's real or they know that it's not by your reflection of love. You know, there's so many things that we could think are important. And there's so many things that Jesus could have said that are important. He, he could have said, you'll be known by your awesome worship services. But he didn't say that. He said, you could be known by your fiery, passionate sermons that I give each and every week. And everyone said, amen? <laughs> All right. I'm digging this morning. I'm digging for some affirmation. He said, you could be known by the way you dress and the way you act. But he didn't say that. Instead, Jesus said, you'll be known by your love. You are known by how you live out love the verb. I just want you to just envision with me a church. Just envision with me a church that truly lives out love the verb. It would be the most welcoming. It would be the most accepting. It would be the most authentic, loving community in, 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 this, whole, in this whole area, in the whole 715. The most, it would be the most giving organization and the 715. So this leads us to the next question. The next question is, so what is the confusion? 
Why are, why are people, maybe people who are driving by each and every day, why are they confused by this thing called love? I want us to look at this. The, the infamous chapter, the Apostle Paul writes this chapter in 1 Corinthians 13. And it's often known as the love chapter. How many of you remember your wedding day? And you remember 1 Corinthians 13 was read and your wedding day. I think it was read in our wedding day. And really what it is, is it provides for, for the bride and the groom, and really for everybody that's in attendance. It just gives clarity, because you're making a commitment. Are you, will you love him? Yeah. Will you love her? Yeah, well. It, it gives clarity, like, well, what, this is what it looks like. This is what it means. But it's more than just marriage. I want you to, get, to understand that. Don't, don't, when you get to 1 Corinthians 13, it's like, oh, yeah, well, that's a really nice marriage passage. But this is more than marriage. This is life. This is what it looks like to live love out loud. And so he, he, he addresses, before he gives these descriptions, he addresses some misconceptions and confusion that they may have had in the early church. You see, in the early church, there were these things poured out on the early church called spiritual gifts. And did you know, did you know that when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, God imparts in you a spiritual gift? How many of you, you actually know what your spiritual gift is? Raise your hand. If you know what you're, yeah, okay. Some of you, you, you kind of did some study, and you did some prayer, and you discovered what your spiritual gift is. And, and so there's many, there's many different kinds of spiritual gifts that were poured out on the church. And, and understand this, the purpose of a spiritual gift is this. It is to edify or to build up the church. In, in other words, it is a gift that, is, that you utilize to help engage in God's mission for the world. It is to encourage and is to comfort the church. Okay, So it's the instrument that God gave to you to join with him in this mission of life change. God has given you a gift. And I want to just want to encourage you, if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, uh, I would encourage you, the first place I would start is uh, I would pray about it. And I would go online, look up spiritual gifts test, and take a spiritual gifts test. And it gives you just kind of a general idea uh, of where those things, things are. But Paul recognized these gifts. These gifts were being utilized but I think that he discovered in the Corinthian church, that's who he's talking about, this church in Corinth, that maybe their gifts were being a little ineffective. Sometimes churches can, can just go out and, and they're, they're doing all of these great things in the community and they're utilizing their spiritual gifts and they're doing this and doing that and be completely ineffective. And that he points out it's because they were not utilizing the one key ingredient of love the verb. Let me, let me read this for you. It's not, a, it's not in your notes, but 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. Paul says, If I could speak all the languages of earth and angels, but I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Did you catch it? If I'm using these great spiritual gifts of mine, but I'm not doing it in the spirit of God's love, I'm only making noise. He says this in verse 2. He says, if I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be doing nothing. Doesn't that kind of catch you like a little bit? Like, 
wow, this love thing must be important. Look at verse 3. He says, if I gave everything I had to the poor, if you're the, the, the greatest gift giver in the world, and you just bless so many people with your gifts, and even sacrifice your body, and you could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. I, I hope that that just sits with you for just a second of how important this thing called love the verb is to God. It matters. And I think people who are not spiritually minded, when the church goes out and they act in their spiritual gifts and they don't do it in love, I think it leaves a world very confused. Is that fair to say that? Is that fair to say? Anybody ever been confused before? In other words, your spiritual actions without love the verb equals spiritual confusion. Is that fair? Is that fair to say that? Spiritual actions without love, the verb, God's love, equals spiritual confusion. Let me, let me give you a, an illustration here. So I, I worked with a church uh, years ago uh, as a youth pastor. I'm not, I'm not even going to say where it was, but this church was known, as a larger church, it was known as a charismatic church. Everybody understand a charismatic church? Very, very worshipful and a lot of demonstrations of the spiritual gifts, and that was all great. It was fantastic. But we tried to, we, we, we took a, it was because the church was going through a transition, we took a spiritual health, to, I'm sorry, a church health test. We had somebody come in and they did a survey. We just wanted to know where the church was in alignment with these eight categories that are important for a healthy church. A healthy church. That's what we wanted to be. We didn't want to be, we didn't want to be labeled a charismatic church, a Pentecostal church. We wanted to be a healthy church because when you have a healthy church, you have a growing church. And when you have a growing church, that means the kingdom of God is truly being effective. So they had all these different categories. And we, and we looked at all the things that we were really good at you know, for a healthy church, but the thing that we were weakest, and it was by far the weakest. If you've ever taken a survey, and all these categories were here, but the one that was like way down here was this thing called loving relationships. Isn't that interesting? So we were, the church was struggling, struggling to, to move forward, and we just like, man, there's got to be something wrong. Why does it seem like we got all of these things going on, and we just, but we seem so unhealthy? And there it was. We were being, we were not loving each other. Love was missing in the context of all of these things. And I think that's exactly what the Apostle Paul was talking about. You, you do all of these things. And you don't have God's love in the midst of it as the root of it, as the source of it. You're just making noise. You're just going through the motions. You're just doing church. So this tells me what we often think is most important is really secondary, if I can say that. I think that when it comes to what the Christian life is all about, it's not always what we think. So a lot of times we think, well, if we just had a large, impactful ministry, but maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's not that. Maybe if, we, if I knew all of the Bible verses and knew all the Scriptures and I could quote all of the things, but is that really it? If, if I just had all of these great, visible, spiritual gifts that I could display for everybody, but is it really doing that? If I could do all of these works of kindness and help all these people who are poor and in need, but, it, but it's more than that. It's much more than that. 
Again, don't get me wrong, these things are great, but they are just for show if we are doing them without God's love. And I think ineffective. So in other words, following Jesus is about both becoming and living out God's love. I hope you're getting that from me this morning. Following Jesus is simply both becoming and living God's love. And this is actually a relief for us because now we don't have to try to measure up. We don't have to strive for all of these accomplishments. We don't have to try to prove ourselves. We don't have to try to get it all right, get it all, right all the time. You just need to know and become God's love to the people in your world. I, I hope maybe that's a relief for some of you t- this morning. See, we get to not only talk about God's love, but we get to model Jesus to the whole world. So what does this look like in real life? What does this look like? Well, he, he, 1 Corinthians 13, let's continue on with that. Paul gives us some clarity on what this looks like. He says, love is patient, love is kind. I'm reading from the NIV version. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes, and it always perseveres. So you ask yourself the question, where did Paul get these ideas? You ever wonder that? Where did Paul get this list from? You know what I think Paul was doing? I think Paul was sitting down one day, and he was just writing out all of the characteristics and the attributes that he has discovered in God through his relationship. I think that's what this is. It's a list of God's attributes. It's the character of God. So in this, these passages, Paul defines for us what love is, what love is not, and what love will always be. Let me just quickly go through these, just real quickly. He, it says love is, love is patient. To be patient is to endure, endure irritants, endure, and allowing one's anger, not allowing your, your angle to, to anger to lash out at anybody. In other words, it's slow to get angry. And I love that passage in the Bible where it says in Exodus that God is merciful and gracious. Everybody say amen to that. God is slow to anger, and he's abundant in loving kindness and truth. Thank you, God, because I need God to be patient with me, and God wants me to be patient with others. The other word that that is used here is he says that it's kind. To be kind is to share a burden or to share a need with someone. So most of you know I've had a sling on my arm. I had shoulder surgery in early January, and it's so good to be out from that sling. Please do not come up and pat me on the shoulder and say, great message today. I'm still not there yet. But, you know, uh, I needed a lot of help after that surgery. I was pretty pathetic, if you can just imagine. And I'm telling you, my wife displayed to me a, she was a source of kindness through that entire time. Her, all her eyes were on me and how, what she could do to comfort me in my time of need. Can I get you some more ice? Can I get you some pain reliever? Can I get you something to eat? Can I, 
can I tuck your pillow for you? And it was just great. And, and again, because I was in time of need, and this is about six or seven, eight weeks out, so things have changed a little bit there. But her kindness was so comforting. And that's what God's kindness is to us in our time of need. And God calls for us to be kind to others in their time of need. So that's what love is. And then he says, this is what love is not. It is not envious. Envious is an intense desire to have what somebody else has. And we know this. This is the danger of social media. You know, we scroll through our phone and we look at everything that everybody else has. And, and they're putting it out there because they want you to rejoice with them, right? But how many times have you ever been caught up in like, ah, oh, I wish I had what they had. They have the perfect family. They have the perfect boat. They have the perfect cabin. They, have the per- they must have their act together. And what happens is if we are not careful, we begin to envy what they have. And so instead of celebrating with them, we become envious of them. You see the importance of that? That's why we need to keep love as, as, as our, our center. It is not boastful. How many of you have ever noticed the most obnoxious character in every movie you've watched is the person who is the boastful one? <laughs> they are self-centered. They're egotistical. And it's also true in real life. It's not just in movies. It's real-life people. How many of you... No, don't, 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 tell, don't tell me. But what Paul's trying to challenge us here, don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. He, he also says another comparable word is proud. To be proud means to be puffed up, to be full of yourself. And when you're so full of yourself, there's no room for anybody else. Paul says, don't be rude. Love is not rude. To be rude is to be disrespe- disrespectful or to be to make an inappropriate or mean comment, particular with your words. And again, getting back to social media. And so I've been meeting some people who are just, they're so kind to your face, but in social media, they would just say the most rude things. Well, I want you to know, it's, it's in, love is in person, and it's in social media. It's in social media. Let me, let me he also says that love it is not self-seeking. In other words, it's not selfish. It's not inconsiderate of others. It is not irritable. It's not easily triggered. It is not scorekeeping. You ever meet a scorekeeper? Have you ever been a scorekeeper before? Scorekeeper is somebody who they may have been hurt in their own in their lives before, and all they find themselves doing is keeping score of all the wrongs of other people, and they can't help it. And they remember, and they'd never, they never—they just continue to rack up the score of all the wrongs that you've done. Paul says, that's not love. Stop doing that. that. You know what that is? That's unforgiveness. That's bitterness. And it only leads to resentment and pain. And Paul says, don't, don't, don't do that. That's not love. Paul says, it's, it's not being happy about injustice. You ever, you ever met that person before? They, they find out that a, a, something bad happens to that political candidate that they don't like, and they're like, yes, I'm so excited about that. Paul says, that's not love. That's not love. That's not what love is. 
And so Paul says, love always. I, I know that when you're married, you're, you're not supposed to say, you always. <laughs> I mean, you've heard that advice before. You always. But, but I think this is, this is true. Paul says, this, love always is this. It always protects. And what that means is, it's always loyal. Through thick or thin, it's that person who looks you in the eye and says, I've got your back. I've got your back. And they really mean it. They back it up with their actions. Love always trusts. This, this, this person is not naive, but this person always chooses to find the best in others, to believe the best about a person. This person hopes. They always hope the best for other people. This person perseveres. In the New Living Translation, it says, they endure through every circumstance, no matter what. No matter what the situation, no matter how difficult, for richer or for poorer, sickness and health, they're going to last. They're going to be there till the end. So I, want you, I just, I just kind of went through this to-do list here, all right? And Paul points out all these things. But this is, this is not a checklist of requirements. Instead, it's a picture. It's a picture of what God looks like to us. God is these things. God is God is patient. God is kind. He is not boastful. He is not prideful. He's not all these things. But God is always persevering. God always hopes. God always trusts. And then God says, take these attributes and live them out in your life. So the next question, the next what question that we have here is what really matters to God? What really matters to God? So I, I want you to know this morning, you have been created to make an impact in your world for the kingdom of God. God's love lived out through your life. It's just about the most impactful thing that you can do on the earth. Did you know that? God's love lived out through your life is the most impactful thing that you can do here in the world. 1 Corinthians 13, 8, Paul says, Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless. But love will last forever. That's powerful. Now, Paul is not negating those other things. He's not saying those things are worthless. But he's saying, if we're going to keep the main thing, the main thing. It is God's love. Real life change happens through God's love working in and through your life. Let me say that one more time. Real life change power happens when you allow God's love to work in you and work through you in your world. So what matters to God? What matters to God? In, the new, in Mark chapter 12, there's a young man who asked God, he said, hey, of all the commands, and they lived by a whole bunch of commands and laws and rituals back then. A young man asked God, asked Jesus, which one of these is the most important? And so Jesus responds, Mark 12, 29 through 31, he's responded, the most important commandment is this, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and with all of your strength. Then he says the second, he, he takes these two and he makes them into one. He says the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So I, I like it when, when we simplify things here. 
Can we just simplify things here? What does God want from you? What is most important to God? What is important to God is that we love God, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that we love people in the same way. Let's, let's, let's take it a little, bit, a little bit simpler, okay? If you get anything out of this message today, what does God want from you today? What does He want you to do? God wants you to love God and love people. Love God and love people. And out of those two simple things will, will come just a powerful, impactful life in your world if we would focus on loving God and loving people. And here's what I've discovered. I am incapable of loving on that level in my own. What does that mean? I don't have it within me to love people like that. With that, that big list, 1 Corinthians 13, I've tried. I, I'm not good at it. I, I, I mess up all the time. But do you know I found a secret? I found a secret to living out love the verb. Can I share a secret with you? Come to three parts here. What is the secret to living out love the verb? 1 Corinthians 4, 7. The evangelist John says, Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Here's the secret. If you, if you want to love, love the verb, and you want to impact your world, you want to know what that looks like, fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus. Isn't it interesting how all, I, I, how all my terminology, you would think I'm talking about like relationships this morning. That's what, that's what I am. I'm talking about your relationship with God and your relationship with the world around you. That's what's important to God. God's re, your relationship with God, your relationship with people. But it starts, the way you treat people, the way you love people, it starts with your relationship with God. I believe it's a direct correlation. What happens with your love for God is a direct correlation. It flows into how you love people. And so here's my, here's my encouragement for you this morning. If we were kind of taking a look in the mirror, one of those honest reality checks, and we were to just say, oh, you know what? I really am struggling to love people. I'm having a hard time. Anybody ever been in that place? You've had a hard time loving people? Because there's some people who really make it hard to love them, right? And I have found that when I'm struggling to love people, I need to look in the mirror and say, well, what is my love like for God? What is my relationship with God like? Am I struggling with my walk with God? Am I spending time with God? Could that be what's affecting my relationship with others? If you're struggling to love people, maybe the first place you need to check is your love for God. So, that, that, so that here's the secret. Fall in love with Jesus. Number two, be filled with God's love every day. John the Evangelist says, love comes from God. Love comes from God. So we have the ability to each and every day to go to God and say, God, I'm struggling. I'm having a hard time. I'm not feeling the love, however you want to say it. I'm not feeling the love. God, I, I want to feel the love. I want to love the people around me, and I just can't do it in my own strength. God, fill me with your love. Because here's the reality. 
We all know this is true. Paul talks about this in Galatians, that what you put in your life every day is what's going to come out of your life every day. Right? What you put in is what comes out. So I have my water bottle here this morning. And each and every day, we know we've been in a pandemic here. All right? And I'm, I'm trying to keep my immune system built up and and, you know, trying to stay healthy. So I got my little bottle of water. And each and every day, I, I went out and bought one of these, these big boxes of emergency. Anybody use emergency? I don't know if it's, if it's legit or not. But each and every day, I try to fill my water bottle with emergency. But then you know what? That bottle of emergency, it does no good if I don't start drinking some of this emergency. All right? So my body's not going to be affected. I'm not going to have health. Come into this. Now, here's the difference. If I was to instead fill my bottle, and I know some people who do this on a regular basis, if I was to fill my water bottle with some vodka and grape juice, uh, we, we know that if I drank that entire bottle, we would see the manifestations of that, right? <laughs> we, would, we, would see, we, we would see that, that going on, right? We would see the manifestations of it. Because what you put in is what's going to come out. That, that's about as simple as I can make it. If you want God's love to flow from your life, then you've got to put God's love into your life on a regular basis. That's what I'm trying to say this morning. And so, so what, what, what I'm saying is that we need to fall in love with Jesus. We need to be filled with God's love every day. And then we need to be intentional. And to be intentional is saying that I'm not just going to keep this all to myself. This was meant to be poured out in the world around me. So I'm going to look for ways to love people because God just tells me how powerful it is in this world. And I have been created to make an impact in this world, so I'm going to pour out God's love in this world. So I'm going to be intentional about my relationship with God, and I'm going to be intentional about loving people. So you ask the question, what can I do? What can I do? I, I, I like it when, when you can get a message and make it real practical. So if you're new today, the past few weeks, the, the, the Sunday before Lent, we put out a challenge for the church, and, and we called it the 40 Days of Love the Verb Challenge. How many of you have been following along, been participating in the 40 Days of Love the Verb Challenge? And each and every week, we have been giving you a verb just giving you on one word. So our first week was listen. That's a verb. One of the most powerful things you can do is just listen to people. You're going to be intentional about listening to people. How many of you got, got to do that? And God kind of worked through you that week. All right, God spoke to you. And then the second week was this past week, we're going to be accepting. We're going to accept people right where they're at, just like Jesus did for us. We're going to accept people. And so, again, you ask, how do you live out love the verb? Simple things like this. By being intentional about listening, I'm going to be intentional about accepting. And this week's verb, is everybody ready for it? We're going to comfort. We're going to find ways that we can see people who are maybe hurting, are discouraged, are wounded, and we're going to comfort them. 1 Thessalonians 4.18, Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Often, most oftentimes, the way that we comfort people is with our words and, and with our actions. I was so proud of our Ruby's Pantry team. If you're new here today, you know, once a month, we serve our community through this pantry 
service that we have. And Whitley, yesterday we served over 300. 300 shares of food were given out to people. That's a lot of food. That's a lot of families that we got to share Love the Verb with yesterday. Do we have any of those pictures up on the screen? Just go ahead and put those up there. And I would just say, go do that. Find ways. If you're looking at how do I live out, you know, I'm filling my life with God's love, but, but what do I do? I would just say, go do things like this. Be intentional. The people who came yesterday, they were intentionally, they intentionally put themselves into position to love God's love, to live love. So as we close out this message today, I, I want to ask the first question. Are, are you that person who's still humming that song, I want to know what love is. I want God to show me. Is that you this morning? Have you discovered God's love? God's love came through His Son, Jesus Christ. And it comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ that He wants to have for you. And I don't know where you are in your faith journey this morning, but God wants to have a relationship with you, but you have to invite Him because He's never going to pound through the doors and barge His way in. It's always through you accepting. So if you're here this morning and you would like to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, can you, I just want to ask you to bow your heads with me and say, God, I need you. I recognize that you gave me your love through your Son, Jesus Christ, and I'm inviting that same, I'm asking Jesus to come into my life. I want him to be Lord and Savior. And so I surrender my life to you. Show me your love today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, I, I want to encourage you. We have a guest center in the back here. And I, I want to encourage you to know how to take your, your next steps in your faith journey. And we have just a small book that we'd like to give to you that would, that would help you with that. And just talk to Naomi in the back. It's probably the friendliest person in this entire church. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I've been a Christ follower. I'm a disciple of Jesus, and I'm just struggling with the love. And I just need a touch of God's love. I just need God to just show me where I need to pour that. I'm struggling with God's love. If that's you, will you just raise your hand? This message is really resonating with you and convicting you this morning. God, I just pray all around this room, you would just show us your love. God, that you would show us how to live out your love in the world around us. God, there are people that you have placed on our hearts. Remember that, that one person challenge? God, I pray that you would show me how to comfort them this week. God, I want to make impact in this world. Show me what that looks like. Thank you for demonstrating your love to me through your son, Jesus Christ, I pray. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Can we just give God a shout out this morning? God, we just give you praise for your love. Thank you so much for checking out the Thrive Church Podcast. I hope you were inspired by the message today. If you liked what you heard, please like, subscribe, and share this podcast so we can impact more lives. Remember, wherever you are in your faith journey, you are welcome, loved, and accepted. Have a wonderful day.